0: The Bible is God's script that's playing out before our eyes. The prophet Daniel was told in chapter 12, verses 9 and 10, this book is sealed up until the end time. Many will be purged, purified, and refined, but the wicked will act wickedly, and none of the wicked will understand. But who will understand? The wise will understand. The Jerusalem Channel is made with the support of you, our viewers. Thank you for watching. Shalom, I'm Christine Dorek. The Bible is a book about the future, and it tells us that tyranny of the future Antichrist dictator will be a time of unparalleled trouble. People will struggle to survive. As we look at end-time prophetic events coming to pass, it's becoming increasingly apparent that some of the most influential tycoons are not found in governments. Instead, multinational financial and technological oligarchs are eager to conform the world to their own technocratic purposes. Prophecy watchers are suggesting that these super wealthy tycoons could be the prophesied 10 kings or 10 influencers mentioned in Daniel seven twenty four, and they will give their authority and power to the beast the antichrist and in return they will receive power as kings to rule with the beast for one hour. That will, of course, be a relatively short time, according to Revelation seventeen twelve, before the return of Jesus. Commentators speculate about the identities of these future ten kings or individuals who will rule like kings. Time will tell, but a compelling case might be made that the powerful tech tycoons will help the Antichrist to consolidate and enforce his tyrannical rule over the entire globe. The coming beast system will certainly require technological advances to enable the Antichrist to accomplish his global goals. Already, technocrats are greatly courted by politicians, and these tycoons partner with governments, NGOs, and financial institutions. As the wealthiest man in the world, Elon Musk is a business magnate, who was also heavily involved in connecting the human brain to technology. And multi-billionaire software developer Bill Gates has spread his influence further than any other oligarch. According to a Prophecy News Watch article by Mondo Gonzalez, Gates has now become the largest private landowner of farmland in the United States. Meanwhile, Israel is at the very center of end-time events and is continually a target by the powers of darkness. But according to Daniel 12.1, Michael, the great angelic prince who stands guard over the nation of Israel, will rise up for the deliverance of the people of God. There will be a time of distress such has not happened from the beginning of nations until now. This will be the tribulation period prophesied by Jesus in Matthew 24. The prophet Daniel was told at that time his people will be delivered. So rigorous trials for Israel appear on the horizon, and believers need to fully understand God's commitment to Israel's preservation. Just as Jesus is the center of the Bible, Israel is the central nation in the Bible. The name Israel occurs 79 times in the New Testament. In addition to the manifold times, it's mentioned in the Hebrew Bible. And never once in the New Testament is the church called Israel. The church is comprised of former Gentiles and Jews together, the one new man. But the nation of Israel is a unique people. As First 1 Chronicles 17.21 explains, What other nation on earth is like your people Israel? What other nation, O God, have you redeemed from slavery to be your own people? You made a great name for yourself when you redeemed your people from Egypt. You performed awesome miracles and drove out the nations that stood in their way. So we must realize that there's no other people whom God has purposed to redeem as an entire nation. In fact, in Exodus 19.6, God uniquely announced to Israel, you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. Furthermore, in Romans 9.4, the Apostle Paul listed a number of distinctive assets which belong exclusively to Israel. He said to them belongs the adoption as sons, the Shekinah glory, the covenants with Abraham, Moses, and David, the giving of the law, the system of temple worship, and all the original promises. Theirs are the patriarchs, and from them the human ancestry of the Messiah is traced. No other nation can boast such a magnificent heritage. No wonder Satan hates Israel with a passion. And never forget, Jesus said in John four twenty-two, that salvation proceeds from the Jews. Without them, there would be no prophets, no apostles, no Bible, no Savior. So every time you see horrific images of the Nazi Holocaust, or when you see anti-Semitism on the rise again, remember how much Satan despises the Jewish people. If he could destroy them, as Iran vows to do, conditions would be ruined for the return of Jesus. As columnist Melanie Phillips recently wrote, the continuing onslaught on the Jewish people by those intending to exterminate them lies at the very heart of the moral bankruptcy of the world. And these criminals are aided and abetted by supposedly civilized global leaders. In God's plan, the second coming of Jesus is dependent upon Israel being in place. Jesus' identification with the Jewish people is also eternal. After the Lord's death and resurrection, in Revelation 5.5, he is still called the Lion of the tribe of Judah. Well, long ago, God forged Abraham's family into a nation in Egypt, and then he brought them out of bondage into the promised land where he established Jerusalem as their capital and center of worship. The nation split into a northern kingdom called Israel and the southern kingdom of Judah. But due to repeated backsliding, the northern kingdom was carried captive into Assyria. Later, Solomon's temple was destroyed and the southern kingdom of Judah was taken captive into Babylon with a small remnant returning and a second temple rebuilt that stood in the days of Jesus. But the second temple was destroyed in 70 AD just as Jesus had predicted. Then, because of national disobedience, the Jewish people were scattered amongst all nations, but God repeatedly promised in his word that he would regather the Jews from all nations in the last days, and this miraculous regathering is being fulfilled before our eyes. The history visual is not finished and in fact is accelerating at lightning speed. There remain only a few more prophecies to be fulfilled. There must be First be the onslaught of all nations against Jerusalem, followed by God's divine intervention to rescue Israel, and then the supernatural outpouring of the spirit of grace and supplications upon Jerusalem. At that time, the Jewish people will repent and summons King Messiah, Jesus, Yeshua, to return. So now to summarize, in Jeremiah 33, we have the prediction of the Jewish people's return to their Inheritance. For behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will restore from captivity my people Israel and Judah. I will restore them to the land that I gave to their fathers, and they will possess it. Furthermore, the Jews' return to the Holy Land was predicted to take place during much turmoil. According to Jeremiah 35, a cry of panic is heard, a cry of terror, not of peace. Ask now, Can a male give birth? Well, woke individuals are asking this very question. Can a man give birth? But this ancient verse is describing the agony of the last days, asking why do we see every man with his hands on his stomach like a woman in travail, in labor? The answer is found in Jeremiah 37. It says how awful that day will be. There will be none like it. It is the time of Jacob's trouble but he will be saved out of it. So here the Bible teaches that the return of the Jewish people to their homeland will not immediately be a time of peace and salvation. On the contrary, their return will be accompanied by labor pains. But the promise is Israel will be saved out of it, not from it, but out of it. Remember, the archangel Michael is going to arise to deliver Israel. And Jeremiah 30, 17 is particularly poignant. The Lord declares to the beleaguered Jewish people, I will restore your health and heal your wounds, because they call you an outcast, Zion, for whom no one cares. This callous attitude describes the UN, which has issued more resolutions against the tiny nation of Israel than any other nation. The Lord speaks with the positiveness of omnipotence because he has the power to make good his promises to Israel. However, and this is very troubling, many Christians that I've encountered in the churches over the years can't grasp the fact that God is progressively, stage by stage, restoring Israel at this time. These professing Christians stumble over the news They consider Israel's abortions, Israel's pride marches. They're moved by Palestinian pain, and they condemn Israel because presently they don't see the Jews believing in Jesus. So these Christians discount the validity of the nation of Israel. But these Christians have not grasped God's plan and purpose for Israel's redemption, which is unfolding stage by stage even as I speak. That redemption process is clearly described by God in Ezekiel chapters 36 to 39 and is definitely laid out as a progression. First, God planned for the Jewish people to return to their own land. Only afterwards, only sometime after they are resettled and after they are rescued during the Ezekiel war that's described in chapters 38 and 39, will God pour out his spirit upon the nation as God says in Ezekiel 36, starting with verse 22. Therefore, this is what the Lord God says. It is not for your sake that I will act, O house of Israel, but for the sake of my holy name, which you profaned when you were scattered amongst the nations. I will show the holiness of my great name. Then the nations will know that I am the Lord. When I show my holiness in you, Israel, before their eyes, for I will take you from amongst the nations and gather you out of all the countries, and I will bring you back into your own land. Whose land? He said, it is their own land. And then he said, I will also sprinkle clean water on you, and you will be clean. So this is a stage-by-stage process happening now, whether the churches fully grasp it or not. It is happening. The Jewish people had been regathered from more than 100 nations, and it's a miracle greater than the exodus from Egypt because bringing the Israelites out of Egypt involved their release from only one nation. But bringing the Jews home this time has involved their release from more than 100 nations. Jeremiah 31 eight declares, for I will bring them from the north and from the distant corners of the earth. Among them will be the blind and the lame, the expectant mothers and women in labor. A great company will return. Then and only then, God says, will he sprinkle clean water upon them. So it's clear that the Jewish people and the lost tribes will be regathered first, while many are still in an unrepentant condition. God's order of events messes up a lot of people's theology. Christians assume and insist that the Jewish people should believe in Isaiah 53 now. But God's order of events stated in Ezekiel 36, 26, is that all of this is going to happen after the regathering of the Jews. Then he said, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. Well, as a journalist and broadcaster, I've been visiting and living in the Holy Land since 1975 And we've witnessed this progression of God's end-time plan. I'm an eyewitness. I have full confidence in God that after he has fulfilled so many prophecies about Israel's regathering, the remainder of the Messianic prophecies will also be fulfilled right on God's schedule. Ezekiel 36, 27 continues, I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and you will keep my judgments and do them. That's describing the new birth. Can you see the progression? Ezekiel 36, 28 promises, then you will live in the land I gave your ancestors. You will be my people and I will be your God. So Israel will come full circle in her own land. The Jews will fully return to God. So be patient with the Jewish people while all of this is unfolding. And let's not jump to judgment against the Jews like the world does all the time. Just this morning, I read in my daily Bible reading, Isaiah 40, which admonishes comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that her warfare is accomplished, that her iniquity is pardoned, for she has received of the Lord's hand double for all her sins. One of our great mentors in Jerusalem, Bible teacher Derek Prince of Blessed Memory, used to point out how God asserted the divine ego, saying repeatedly, I will, I will, I will do these things concerning Israel in the last days. So we have to believe in the sovereignty of God. Despite our opinions and despite the high-mindedness of many theologians, Derek said God does what he wants, the way he wants, whenever he wants. And he asks no one's opinion or permission. That's the sovereignty of God. Furthermore, Isaiah eleven eleven is a remarkable prophecy. God says it will come to pass that the Lord will set his hand again the second time to recover the remnant of his people from a worldwide dispersion this time. In verse 12, the Lord promised to set up a banner for the nations and assemble the outcast of Israel, and gather together the dispersed of Judah from the four corners of the earth. As I said, there are more than 100 nations from which the Jewish people have already been regathered. In fact, there's not any area of the earth from which the Jewish people have not been regathered, and also from the islands of the sea. And then God proclaimed that he will set up a banner for the nations, and he will assemble the outcast of Israel. The Hebrew word translated banner means a flag, a standard, or an ensign. But this word nes also means miracle in modern Hebrew. It seems every time we turn on the news, we see this miracle banner, the blue and white flag of Israel. The design was inspired by a prayer shawl. This banner is God's show and tell. It tells the world that God is a covenant-keeping God. And he is keeping covenant with his ancient people to restore them. So that when it's time for Jesus to return, to restore the kingdom of Israel, the nation will already be in place to welcome him, saying, Baruch haba Adonai, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. So Jesus is saying to Israel, I'm not coming back until you are ready to welcome me. The hearts of the Jewish people are being prepared to do this. And the exciting chapters of Zechariah 12 to 14 all foretell the situation in the land of Israel at the close of this age. The Lord promises in Zechariah twelve ten, I will pour out on the house of David and on the inhabitants of Jerusalem, the spirit of grace and supplication. And they will look on me whom they have pierced and they will mourn for him as one mourns for his only son and grieve for him as one grieves for a firstborn. Now it's the Lord who is speaking, and he says, they will look on me whom they have pierced, and they will mourn for him as one mourns for his firstborn. So there's going to come a profound revelation of Jesus to his own people by the Holy Spirit as to who he actually is. And they will grasp his Jewishness and realize he was no Gentile Jesus, and there will be a mourning as has never been experienced in the history of Israel. There's going to be a great, great outcry, a great sobbing in Jerusalem. And the land shall mourn, it says, every family by itself. So if you put together prophecies from both the Hebrew Bible and the New Testament, before the Lord returns, certain things must be established. The Jewish people have to be reestablished in Jerusalem and in the land because the Lord Jesus is not coming back until they are there. Then there has to be a supernatural revelation of the real identity of Jesus. What do you think Satan, the present God of this world, fears most? He fears the return of Jesus because until Jesus comes back, Satan is the usurper. He's still the God of this world. So he must try desperately to prevent the return of Jesus and he's doing everything he can to hinder the setting up of the scenario in Israel, which will bring back the Lord. Pray for your churches and your nations to understand the times. We pray a lot for Britain because it was the British people when Britain was a believing Christian nation. It was British Christians who opened the way for the reestablishment of Israel as a nation. It's important to know that in the last century, there was a small but very influential group of British Christians and politicians, influencers, who prayed and worked for the restoration of the Jewish people to this land. In fact, the first Zionists were British. And in that period, God blessed Britain. Britain truly was great. In Jerusalem, my husband and I have been privileged for many years to worship in the church that was founded by these British Zionists. It's Christ Church inside historic Jaffa Gate. Christ Church was the first Protestant church in the Middle East whose founding purpose was to prepare a place of witness for the Jewish people when they returned. In fact, Christ Church is a monument to Bible prophecy. and There are many features in its architecture that resemble a synagogue. Our ministry very much supports the ongoing prophetic work of Christ Church and all of its humanitarian outreaches to both Jews and Arabs. And for many years, long time ago, I was a tour guide to the Israeli soldiers who visited that church. And by the way, this is an important point. Jesus is returning to the land of Israel, not to a land called Palestine. The name Palestine means the land of the Philistines. The Romans gave that name to the land of Israel as an anti-Semitic taunt after the Jews were conquered in 70 A.D. Maps in the back of Bibles that call Israel and Judea, Palestine, in the time of Jesus are historically incorrect. For example, in Matthew 2.20, the Holy Land is called the Land of Israel. That's the biblical name for the ancient land of Canaan that God gave to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob as an everlasting possession. Psalm 105 is a remarkable psalm outlining much of the history of Israel And it states that God has remembered his covenant forever. The word which he commanded for a thousand generations. The covenant which he made with Abraham and his oath to Isaac and confirmed it to Jacob for a statute to Israel for an everlasting covenant. So this is God's unreserved commitment. He said, unconditionally, I will give the land of Canaan as the allotment of your inheritance to the descendants of Israel. Before I close today, during the time of soul-searching and repentance in Israel, prior to the Day of Atonement, Yom Kippur, I want to share with you some wise words from the Hebrew for Christians website. Yom Kippur was the only time when the high priest could enter the Holy of Holies and call upon the sacred name of God, Yud-Heh-Vav-Heh, the Tetragrammaton, to offer blood sacrifice for the sins of the people. This life-for-a-life life principle is the foundation of the sacrificial system and marked the great day of intercession made by the Jewish high priest on behalf of Israel. For this reason, Yom Kippur was also called the day of God's mercy or the day of God's name. Since Jesus, Yeshua as his Hebrew name, secured for all humanity an everlasting atonement at Passover, how much more then is Yom Kippur the day of Yeshua's name? Yom Hashem Yeshua. Jesus, Yeshua is the Messiah of the world, Moshiach HaOlam, the Savior of the world. And according to Acts 4.12, he alone possesses the name above all other names. God's name was proclaimed before the Ark of the Covenant in the Holy of Holies while atonement for sins was made through sacrificial blood. And Jesus' blood was shed for us, and according to Hebrews 9.12, it was presented on our behalf upon the heavenly mercy seat. The Apostle Paul was a zealous rabbi who diligently studied Torah in Jerusalem under Rabbi Gamaliel, who himself was the grandson of the renowned Rabbi Hillel the Elder. Rabbi Paul understood the theological implications when he stated in Romans 10.13 that Joel 2.32 applied directly to Yeshua. In that verse, Joel said, And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. This gives us a whole new perspective on Paul's words in Romans 10.9. If you confess with your mouth that Yeshua is Lord, yud the Tetragrammaton, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then you shall be saved. Amen. This is the good news of the gospel. Embrace it, my friend, because this present world is sinking like the Titanic. But Jesus is our lifeboat. He's our ark of safety. Well, please take time to explore our website, exploits.tv, which features all our videos and reports on Bible prophecy. We invite you to sign up to receive our weekly email and at our Jerusalem Channel app, as well as our Jerusalem Channel YouTube. You can watch our library of videos available 24-7. Friends, the kingdom of God is at hand. Soon we will hear the sound of the shofar and see King Yeshua. So if you have any questions, do feel free to contact me on social media. I'll also be posting in-depth articles for you to read at my Substack site. Until next time, I'll always be contending for the faith and praying earnestly for the peace of Jerusalem. Shalom. I'm Christine Darg. Maranatha! It's hard to believe for me that it's been over 40 years now that I've been at least a spiritual citizen of the nation of Israel. Ever since my first visit to the Holy Land, it's been an intriguing and totally inspiring place to get to know the Bible better. And what a privilege it is to share these insights with you through the media of Jerusalem Channel. We now have over 300 weekly broadcasts to view online free of charge. And just recently, one of our channel streams logged over 8 million views. But bringing these programs to a global audience does cost money. I want you to know that we really appreciate your help to make the Jerusalem channel possible and to illuminate the Word of God in the context of the land and its people. You can give online at our website using credit or debit cards or write to us. In the USA, your tax-deductible gifts can be sent to Box 2768, Stanton, Virginia, 24402. And in the UK, our address is Box 109, Hereford, H.R. 4, 9XR, England. God bless you.